welcome to episode eight of the So Weird Podcast. Tonight we're discussing season one, episode eight of So Weird, Strangeling. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. I'm Kat. What's today's supernatural mystery? Uh, magic. Magic witches. Dragons? Dragons. <laughs> yeah, that's in there too. There's a lot in here. <laughs> I think, I, I guess... If we go by Fiona's opening narration, the theme for this week's episode is just black magic or just magic, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, it's interesting to note that this was the episode that was played least often on the Disney Channel. Well, one of them. I feel like James Gar was played even less than this one. But yeah, I don't have a very good memory of watching this one as a kid. Well, this was one I didn't remember um, until... I re- went back and rewatched the show and after the dragon showed up and there are a couple of POV shots from the dragon's point of view, I definitely remembered seeing that. Yeah. Those special effects. Yes. The monster vision is what I call it. And then that monster puppet or whatever they use. If you have like the good quality version, you can actually see it much better than what was originally on YouTube. Well, the, the quality of my copy of this episode is pretty rough. There's a lot of uh, distortion and the sound drops off a few times. Plus, it has a Family Channel logo in the corner. I didn't know this so weird ever aired on the Family Channel. but Yes, it's actually one of the things that supports that Disney Channel aired it so rarely that even today, most of the copies you find of it, it's either the really old Disney Channel logo or it's Canada's Family Channel. Or I've seen one copy of it that was in Spanish from a Spanish channel. Oh, Canada has a family channel, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but this episode contributes, adds a lot of little things to the mythology, doesn't it? Stuff that would become more important later, or was supposed to come become more important later. Yeah, they dropped that all throughout the episode, which I really like, and it help, It makes me like the episode even more. Yeah, I'd agree. I agree with that. This episode's kind of forgettable for me, but... Uh, you're right. Like rewatching, I was surprised by how many things we learn or are hinted at in this episode about Fee and the Phillips family. And not even just the Phillips family, but Molly's family as well. With the O'Shawn and Lynch. Molly's family. And then also Clue mentions Carrie for the first time. Yeah, that was something yeah. I noticed. Yeah. I always like that, that they mention Carrie before we ever see him. It makes it feel more authentic. It's good continuity because there was this one little line in this episode about Clue having a brother named Carrie, and then later on when they needed to bring in a replacement for Clue, somebody actually remembered that they had mentioned him having an older brother at some point. So that's uh, it's good to know that some of the, uh, the writers were paying attention to what they had written. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully. There's a lot of writers that don't. <laughs> well, especially on serial television. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's all the stuff about something that was supposed to be built on in season three about um, Fiona's having some witchcraft on her mother ends of the f- mother's end of the family, and then about the whole thing with Jack being a knight in this episode was apparently supposed to be foreshadowing about something that was going to happen. Yes, that's one of my favorite abandoned storylines from the original season three. Jack is actually a reincarnated knight from Arth- King Arthur's era who volunteered to be reincarnated in order to protect Fiona. 
Yeah, when I read that, the first time I read it, I mean, it blew my mind, but it was so perfect. It made a lot of sense to me, especially the way his character is throughout the series. He feels like someone who has his own code. Yes. Yeah, and in this episode, um, he does talk about being that protective big brother role, which is, you know, the great parallel to being a knight, and... It's not that they just show that in this episode only, but in another episode, Banshee, um, when Fee is in that thing, whatever that she's in, walking to that with the Banshee. Right, they, show, they do. Yeah. yeah, they dissolve from a knight over Jack's face. or Over, over Jack um, yeah. looking for Fee. It's a really cool origin story that they have there. Oh, and then another thing it sets up is we get some foreshadowing about how um, Rick was also interested in the paranormal and Molly believes that that's what led to his death. And of course, you know, later we discover it did. And now she's concerned about Fiona's interest in the same topic. So all sorts of little plot threads that would be picked up later are set up in this episode. Yes. And I always found it so interesting that they mention that the book used in the play, Melinda is on Rick's side of the family but yes rick gave them the book but they got it from molly's side of the family and we never really heard the full story of exactly how rick found the book maybe molly had it in her possession like after cleaning an attic for her parents or something and was going to throw it away and then rick took a look at it or something they don't really explain it yeah it's a little confusing but it does make you wonder why he didn't think it was okay to keep it with Molly in the house. Wait, but. so like the grandma Kathleen had the book? Well, it was from Molly's side of the family. So it must have come from grandma Kathleen because grandma Kathleen was the one who would always tell Fee stories about witches in their family. Yeah, and at the end um, we learned that Kathleen's maiden name is O'Shannon, which is in the book. But maybe it's one of those just cool universe things where Rick finds that book and it's somehow related to Molly. Or it could just be a continuity error. I prefer to think that <laughs> Rick found it because of Molly or through Molly. And Molly just wanted to get rid of it because Molly, even though she's aware of the supernatural, she was never a fan of Rick getting involved in it. So yeah. then Rick gave it to Melinda to keep it safe from Molly throwing it out. That's my theory. I, th I like that one. That makes sense to me. Yeah, because at the end when we see Melinda give the book to Fee, she looks back at Molly and Molly's, she's kind of giving a disapproving look. Either that or she just doesn't want to encourage Fee's interest in the paranormal. I guess we should actually mention what this episode's about at some point. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> about ten <laughs> minutes into the guys. recording. These things get me excited. You know, this backstory <laughs> stuff. Me too. Yeah, so the gist for this one is the Phillips family tour bus takes a small stop at a theater where an aunt of Fiona's is involved in a production of Macbeth. And uh, Fiona's two um, cousins are very enthusiastic about her interest in the paranormal. They're into it as well. They adore Fiona. They admire her greatly. And throughout their adventures, they discover that the prop spell book used in this production of Macbeth is a genuine uh, witch's grimorum. 
through some shenanigans, they accidentally summon a real dragon, and they have to contain this thing before anybody gets hurt or in trouble. Yeah, watching it back then, I didn't really like this episode. It just seemed kind of boring to me, but I don't know. Rewatching it just uh, now before the podcast, I actually really liked it a lot more than any other time that I've watched it. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's the backstory stuff. I feel the same way. I think it's because I was watching it more carefully this time yeah. than in the past. And part of it, you know, we talked about it before, but there hasn't been very good quality of this episode. So now that there is out there, I'm paying more attention to what's actually happening. Yeah, I can't remember actually watching this episode when it aired on Disney. But the first time I saw it on a, like, a DVD where it was in really bad quality, it was like, oh, I'm so mad at Disney Channel. Why can't you air this more often so that I could see it in all of its glory? <laughs> and then later when I finally did, I came to appreciate a lot about it. First, what as I... we already talked mm. about, was the plot threads that begin to develop that are picked up later or abandoned later. And also the Jack and Fiona relationship. We talked a little bit about how it leads into the idea of Jack being this reincarnated knight and sets a storyline for that. But it's also a really cute moment. First, when Fiona uses the spell book and pretends to turn Jack into a frog. Yeah, that is a good moment. Yeah, I think that's adorable. And then how Fee actually thinks that that the spell worked and she's so worried going, Jack, Jack, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Croak or something if you hear me. Yeah. <laughs> and then she moment. finds out that Jack had tricked her via trapdoor and she gets so mad at him. There's actually a lot of really cute character interactions in this episode. Yeah. The stuff between Fiona and her cousins I like a lot. That's really adorable. Yeah, I would not be able to entertain the Twin Tornadoes the way Fee does. They would drive <laughs> me crazy with all of their talking, but she's so adorable with them. When they get so excited about how Fiona has that heritage of witches in our family, Fiona's just like, oh, well, it'll work for cousins, too. We'll all be witches. And, you know, Jack dresses up as a knight, but there's actually a scene where Fiona dresses up as a witch, so everybody gets in some adorable cosplay in this episode. Um, and actually, another cute uh, Cara Delasia moment is when she's talking to the dragon and is trying to convince it not to eat her and says that kids today are full of junk food. You won't like oh, us. Oh, yeah. Or... I really yeah. like that. She's so adorable in that scene. <laughs> yeah, all good moments. Um, and then, of course, there's a Jack and Clue's Bill and Ted moments where they're dressed up in the suits of armor and just acting very, very silly. And they keep using that old night language. Well, I valley forth into the fray or whatever. <laughs> you know, when I first rewatched this episode a few years back, I found that a little too goofy, but I guess I've just grown more accustomed to the show's sillier elements, and I actually kind of like it now. I always thought it was cute. The only part of this episode that I didn't like was the dragon, and I think that's just because the way it was presented. Like, yeah, you could tell about, it wasn't a real dragon. Yeah, what about those special effects, huh? Man, when you see it in better quality, it's just, you want to think back to that bad quality, because you couldn't really see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in good quality, you can see it pretty well, and it's just... It's a rather crude oh, puppet. Yeah. yeah, and it's a very obvious puppet. And I, you know, you are right that it is hokey, and that always bugged me watching it. Uh, but 
now I kind of wonder if it was intentionally made hokey. Like, this whole episode to me feels like a tribute to theater. And the puppet that they show kind of seems like something you could see on stage one day. The problem is that you can suspend disbelief when you're watching a play. You can see something like that. But when it's in a television show, it doesn't work quite as well. Well, that's a good observation, but I would be very surprised if, you know, it was anything more than they just couldn't afford to do anything more elaborate than this goofy looking puppet. Right. That's why I think it's interesting that they chose to show things from the perspective of the dragon rather than have so many shots with the dragon in it. Well, you know, that monster point of view camera direction is a cost saving measure that has been used by a lot of low budget fantasy and horror and science fiction films over the years. So, so weird did not pioneer that in any way. <laughs> That's an interesting fact. I mean, you know, I think, uh, it's really effective in the werewolf episode. Yeah. Yes, it, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It was more not, effective in the werewolf episode. Yeah. Not so much in this one. I mean, especially when Fiona accidentally makes the dragon grow bigger, that too is kind of a well-used troop where somebody has a magical book that's written in a language they don't understand, and their attempts to fix a previous spell that went awry just makes things worse. Well, they say that it's in Gaelic and how I think her grandmother taught her. So I, I really wonder if she's speaking Gaelic or not. Uh, she is definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> you speak Maybe Gaelic? one word. <laughs> uh, I, I don't speak Gaelic, but I know what Gaelic sounds like. And that is not Gaelic, to speak. <laughs> well, do you know what's definitely not Gaelic? This book, when they bring it back in season three. That's a massive oh, yeah. continuity error that has always bothered me. Well, it even bothers me in this episode that the titles are in English for the spells. I mean, why yeah. is that? It, yeah, that always bugged me. You know, some things you just have to accept. Uh, no. I mean, I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> I will not accept season three's continuity errors. Well, I wasn't no. referring to season three. I was referring to there being English words in a Gaelic book. Okay. And and the the hokey dragon puppet. That's another thing you just kind of have to roll with. You know, this was a low budget television show. Yeah, I wish I could remember watching it for the first time as a little kid because I'm sure when you watch things when you're younger, you don't notice bad special effects as much as you do as an adult. Well, kids are just a little more accepting of everything. And stupid. <laughs> well, that, that's one way of putting it. Uh, well, I definitely uh, remember how they defeat the dragon at the end of the episode. That's something that I remember from seeing it as a kid. Because I, I do remember seeing this episode on Disney. Uh, at the very least, I definitely remember them throwing the book on the ground and the dragon stepping on it and getting sucked inside like a ghost trap from Ghostbusters. Well, also, yeah. that clip was in the music video for In the Darkness that clip segment that they show during the episode Encore. Ah, so that's another possibility. But, yeah, um, the, the dragon is scared of Jack because he's dressed as a knight. Yeah. And obviously the, the whole time it's funny because Jack can't see anything that's going on. Which is, you know, a great way for them to, for Jack not to believe the dragon was real or anything. Yeah, once again, <laughs> there's just, that show has to keep Jack as the skeptic, so. Also, a great line is when Fee tells Jack, no, the dragon's real, the dragon's real. And Jack is dressed up as a knight. 
And he says, like, yeah, I'm as real as your dragon. Yeah. Which thus implies that since the dragon is really a dragon, Jack is really a knight. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't appreciate that line until rewatching it just now. That's I didn't catch yeah, that. That's a, that's a good point. Um, I wanted to just bring up the Bell family. We don't see much of Irene in this episode, but in the beginning she does. Um, I, I forgot where she's going, but she takes over driving the bus. So I, I don't yeah, know if anyone excited about that. Did anyone ask before if like anyone else drives it before? Um, besides Ned, so we see Irene do that. Well, doesn't oh, Molly drive the bus right. in one of the episodes? Yeah. yeah, it's in like season, oh, season two with Werewolf. Okay. He's driving the bus. But this yeah. is just bringing back memories of Nuss. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because Ned is just a little apprehensive about Irene driving it. <laughs> yes, nobody There's drives that. his bus but him. There's actually a good uh, Fiona Ned moment in this episode where she almost yeah. stumbles over a catwalk in the theater and he rescues her and she gives him a big hug afterwards. Yeah, that's such a sweet scene. Yeah, we don't get a lot of Fiona Ned moments, so that was nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, they bring up, I think for the first time, that Ned was in the Kiss reunion tour, which they bring up, I think, at least two other times in future yeah. episodes. So that's like another little story that they bring up for the first time in this episode. Which yeah, it's always funny to me, just kiss reunion tour. <laughs> do you think that was like a deliberate reference on somebody? Like maybe there was like big kiss fan in the writer's room, or do you think they just picked that because that's one of those bands that everybody knows? I think it definitely has to be the first one because there's so many big bands that everybody knows. And they they like perceiving Ned as like when he he was younger he was a roadie and he was into rock bands and all that and how he and grew up and, yeah and he grew up and how he likes classical music and and of course he's the a teacher the implication there being that he probably saw a lot of backstage depravity in his day but this is the Disney Channel version so we don't <laughs> hear about that well you never know I mean in uh, Strange Geometry. Molly and John Kane talk about stuff that went on with groupies. So it's alluded to, but nothing too intense. <laughs> uh, what do we think of those? Uh, we mentioned them earlier, but the twin tornadoes, the Fiona's cousins, what are their names? Miranda and Maggie? It kind of makes me sad watching it now uh, because in season three, Fee says that she's going to go live with them. And Melinda, after giving up all of her, you know, paranormal stuff, oh, and, and obviously right. they're super, they're super interested in the paranormal, so they're going to be <laughs> bothering her about it a lot. Oh, their little She's hearts gonna are going to be, like, be broken. <laughs> yeah, it really does. I never thought of that. <laughs> and Corfi's eardrums are going to be broken. Yeah, I to listen to them all the time. I couldn't. That's just that's going to make those kids grow up to be really better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Fee too. I mean, she's gonna have to remember what she gave up every day when they keep asking her about it. Her well, and Annie, because she would always email her. Well, I mean, that's just assuming that Fee really did abandon her interest in the paranormal. And unlike, I mean, I think in our all of us in our brains have just assumed that you know she would get back into it eventually through some rewriting shenanigans of some sort. God, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I think we've all had a, uh, you know, our own fan versions of season four in our brains. So, 
Fan yeah. versions. Mine's the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like the cousins. They're they're cute. And what do we think of Aunt Melinda? She seems to have a very different personality from what I imagine Rick having. She's very outgoing, and I don't know. In my head, I imagine Rick as being more um, uh, somber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think him and the other sister, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel and Melinda and Rick, they all seem really different. I really wish we could have gotten an episode with Melinda and Rachel together to get a better look at Rick's family dynamics. Do you suppose that uh, Twin had a, was originally written to include Melinda, but they couldn't get the actress back for, or something like that? I want to say no, because they want to focus on you know the twins, Rachel and Rick. Um, Rachel, I don't think she even brings up Melinda, does she, in that episode? No. She's and also because Rachel was kind of more free-spirited, living in New York City by herself, and Melinda had the two twins. Maybe they felt like it would be overkill if a twin had twins of her own. Oh, uh, good point. Hmm. Um, twin genes are there, though. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> though that's something I just thought about. Uh, we never meet Melinda's husband, you know, the father to her daughters, you know, is... Is is that just the Disney curse about, you know, everybody's a single parent? I mean, it's possible he's just off screen, but I don't know. I just thought of that. Yeah. I think they said he was at a, on a business trip. Oh, do they mention him? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. She does very briefly. She says, oh, he wishes he could be here, but he's on a business trip. Dad went on a business trip, and he hasn't been home in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> Supernatural. But, you know, this one isn't too bad. It, there are some fun monster-chasing stuff when it's Fiona and the cousins trying to pin down the dragon. That stuff is entertaining to me. Yeah, I like this episode. It's not one of my favorites. It's not one of my least favorites. It's, like, average. I would, you know, think it, think of it as a bit on the fluffy side, but, you know, fluffy's okay sometimes. But I, I think the rich in storylines that are started here makes up for the fluffiness. And the hokiness. This is an episode I forget about all the time. So <laughs> I think a few episodes back we uh, said something like, oh yeah, and then from this episode on, they're all really good. But like Strangeling <laughs> didn't even pop into my head. Well, this and, one is sandwiched in between the two season one highlights, so. Well, for you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I rewatched it just earlier this week, I... Uh, Really appreciated it a, a lot more, I guess, focusing in on the, the elements that are hinting at what's to come. But I'll probably forget about it again, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the same. Uh, I've just always forget about this episode. And when I would show it on the live streams, I wouldn't really pay attention much to it. But now that I did, I actually enjoyed it much more. So I don't know if that's because... I don't know, I'm growing up or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, pre I appreciate all the, the the cheesiness. It was really adorable. And I love all that backstory stuff. The episode mostly makes me wish that uh, they did more monster episodes, that they had that the budget to do that stuff more often because the dragon looks a little bit like the Jersey Devil. And I uh, just it just makes my brain start moving and thinking about, oh, wouldn't it have been fun if... <laughs> You know, if they had done a Jersey Devil episode, because they've got the whole road trip aspect of the series there already. They could have done it, but uh, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's like random 
but the title Strangeling, um, I always get it confused with the other title Changeling, because Changeling is a season three episode. Yeah, but that's also like a monster episode. It is, and they're both really bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, mo I mean, the monsters, I mean. Well, the episode, it. too. Uh, I mean, like, for me, Changeling oh, is the <laughs> worst episode of the entire series. But Yeah, I, I, I saw that yesterday on live streams. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Naming the episode Strangeling is kind of weird because it doesn't, other than it being in the book, there's really no other references to it throughout the episode. Yeah, and I don't know if that's an actual, like, mythological thing a strangeling well actually a strangeling is a uh, astrophysics term a strangeling refers to strange matter which it, it has stuff to do with black holes and time travel some people think that's the possibility which so when you see that title you think oh this episode's going to deal with like crazy advanced far out astrophysics but no it has nothing to do with that at all <laughs> well maybe that's how the book works well, Maybe perhaps. the dragon existed in, like, King Arthur's time, like, when Jack was originally a knight, and it black-mattered itself into <laughs> current day. I don't know, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> so, sounds like that's uh, some potential for fan fiction there. <laughs> you know, I, I can still enjoy this one. I do like the stuff of them chasing the dragon at the end of the episode, and like I said, the scene where Fiona is trying to talk it out of attacking her, that's a cute moment. And there's a lot of little cute moments like that that I enjoy. Plus, the theater setting is cool. The old spooky theater has some nice atmosphere there. Yeah, I really love the end of the episode where Jack defeats the dragon and he goes over and hugs him and kisses him on the cheek and Jack just wipes it off like, eh, girl germs. <laughs> like he's still a little boy inside. Yeah, Jack has a lot of funny lines in this one. When he's fighting the dragon, he's like, fear not, my annoying sibling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm enough of a Fiona fan that when he actually, he drops a line earlier about I have to go rescue the damsel in distress that sort of stuck in my teeth a little bit. Like, hey man, Fiona's not a damsel. <laughs> she can take care of herself. <laughs> she was in distress at that moment, though. Um, something that I really like, um, just going back with uh, Aunt Melinda and Molly and the paranormal stuff that Molly's keeping from Fee. Uh, Aunt Melinda says the line you haven't told her, and it's like the exact line that tells Molly in strange geometry. So also, I don't know if that's deliberate or it's just, you know, a simple sentence that they use, but I really like that. They, it's the same line, and Molly, both times, she's just, like, at odds with herself. She doesn't say anything back, though, to Melinda. It's just never followed up. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never picked up on that. I'm just looking up who wrote this one. Brian Nelson wrote this one. Which other episodes did he do? Uh, Carnival, your fave. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> is this the same Brian Nelson who wrote Hard Candy and 30 Days a Night? Or is IMDb combining two people? Because if so, <laughs> that's know. that's crazy. I love Hard Candy. That's one of my favorite films. Oh, I like the film, too. And he wrote for In a Heartbeat. That looks I like. loved In a Heartbeat. Well, he has a lot of television credits, assuming it is indeed the same person. In a heartbeat or a final conflict, he wrote the... Oh, I remember that 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea miniseries. Uh, he wrote Troll also, which is cool. Yeah. He mentions Rick a lot, too. Yeah, and that's also a fluffy episode. Mm -hmm. The fluffiest. <laughs> um, so we have anything else we want to say about Strangeling? Uh, if I were to rate it now, I would rate it... A five. 
Well, uh, looking at my old review from two years ago, I gave it a six, which I would stick to. I think that still fits. Yeah, I would give it a six as well. I don't know. Is <laughs> <laughs> my answer. I'm, I am, as we go along, I'm kind of making a ranking of each episode and comparing it to the ones we've already done. So by the end of all this, I will have a complete ranking of every So Weird episode. You're, you're a ranker, not a raider? Yeah. we have anything else we want to talk about? Um, we did get comments on our some of our YouTube episodes. I'll get those out right now. While you're doing that, I just thought I'd say, I guess by the time that this episode's posted, um, it'll be just a few days before the 15-year anniversary of the So Weird series finale which was on September 28th, 2001. And that was The River, which was the episode full of clips. Yeah, the clip show. Three. The mm-hmm. ignoble season series finale. <laughs> yeah, so happy anniversary, So Weird Ending. Woohoo! <laughs> I don't think that's something we should be woohooing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not. I'm full of sarcasm. Well, I thought you were going <laughs> to say it's the anniversary of the premiere or something. No, that but one's no. Well, the yeah. show should have premiered around this time because it's around Halloween. It would have been spooky and appropriate. That's have. something that always bothers me, that Halloween time would be the perfect time to bring it back as like a Halloween special. And they never do. Um, well, maybe that's because there's actually only one Halloween episode of the show. Shh. Okay, (laughs) I've been shushed. (laughs) Okay, so our first comment, it was on the episode of Memory, Joseph Del Mundo. He said, I'm so glad you guys even started a So Weird podcast. I feel the show, since it's not as popular as the other classic Disney shows, it has this very small cult following, and I'm glad that I'm a part of it, and so cool to hear you guys talk about it after, like, 15, 16 years later. It would be awesome if later down the road you guys can get any of the cast on the podcast and talk about their memories of the show while filming, etc. I feel probably down the road with the recent recycling of old TV series on different platforms, cough, cough, a interest in bringing back so weird and possibly even do the season three abandoned arc it is such a shame that even though disney owns the rights they just don't give a crap about the show but still are anal about copyright etc and not having anybody else do a reboot like if they are interested on doing a reboot who will well that's my two cents keep on podcasting amen yeah Yeah. i think those are thoughts a lot of us have expressed on this show definitely I'm still irritated that they felt like they had to remove all the episodes from that So Weird TV YouTube channel. Because when it happened, I was like, hooray, they're going to release it or something, right? They wouldn't just do this to be jerks. And then they did. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so funny because they did that when I think I first started live streaming on Tiny Chat. And Tiny Chat uses uses, uh, YouTube videos. So then one day I'm trying to stream, and then they're all gone. Yes, and then I contacted John from the Watch Disney Care team, and he said that he understood (laughs) my request that I wanted So Weird back on TV on the So Weird Watch Disney app. The Watch Disney app. 
John, you lied to me. You don't care. If you did, you would have gotten it on there. You have let me down, John. Your name is a lie. Well, are any of the old late 90s, early 2000s Disney shows officially streaming anywhere? Like on, are they on, is like Lizzie McGuire on Amazon or anything like that? Lizzie McGuire airs on ABC, now Freeform. Oh, it does? When? They have a That's So Throwback block where they air Lizzie McGuire, That's So Raven, uh, Hannah Montana. But not uh, so weird. No. (laughs) No. Even Stevens is the oldest one they've aired. Yeah, and before that, they were doing this Throwback Thursdays on Disney Channel. But it was all the same shows. Lizzie McGuire, That's a Raven, even Stevens, Kim Possible. Well, I'm old enough that I don't even think of That's a Raven and Kim Possible as that old. But, I mean, I guess those shows are like 10 years old at this point. But it doesn't seem that way to me. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And all of those episodes, I'm pretty sure, are available to purchase on iTunes. So maybe that's why they're showing them. But uh, wouldn't it make more sense to show episodes that aren't available? Or at least make them available? Uh, Please. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, you know, some of it is probably laziness on Disney's behalf because they don't want to pop for the HD remasters of a show that nobody remembers. Well, I say nobody in quotation marks. (laughs) And another is probably the sense that they want to lead with the big names because they want people to watch this thing. Yeah, it's most likely true. But Um, the thing about it for me is when they announced their throwback... Uh, block on Disney Channel like back in 2013 Disney Channel PR retweeted an article like to promote the block that said so weird in the title like so weird and other shows we want to be on the Disney block so so they retweeted it and ignored it yes it's like Uh. they're just they're throwing out little crumbs but they don't need anything bigger one other thing we could say about that comment, which was awesome, was that, uh, yeah, having cast on the show would be cool. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that some of the cast members are out in social media land. I know that Mackenzie Phillips is pretty active on Twitter. I uh, think that um, Patrick Levis has got a social media stuff. but uh, Yeah, he's pretty active on YouTube. Yeah, so it would be na- neat if we could get a hold of somebody. I don't really know how to what avenues would be pursued to do that, but totally. And since we're in the loose part of the show, I guess I'll just throw this in there. I don't know if this is pertinent at all, but uh, just the other day I fell asleep in front of the television, which I do not do, but it happened yesterday. And when I woke up, some old TV show was on. The The lead actress on the show looked familiar, but I couldn't place her. And after, you know, after being pseudo not quite awake for a couple of minutes, I grabbed the remote and hit info and it was uh, one day at a time and it was <gasps> Mackenzie Phillips. Mackenzie so Phillips. a little teenage Aww. Mackenzie Phillips. So that was sort of neat. When that happened, I thought, oh, I'll have to mention that on the podcast Thursday night. I've never seen that, but it's on a lot, I think. Yeah, well, I've seen a couple episodes. It was on um, Antenna TV. I don't know if that might be a local thing, but they show old TV shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah, but Mackenzie Phillips does such a great job at playing Molly. I really don't think anybody could have done it better. Well, you know, I was just, uh, not to get too gossipy here, but I was reading 
something about the autobiography she wrote a few years back. And it's interesting to me that she plays such a really great, you know, mother figure on this show when her own childhood was so incredibly dysfunctional. Yeah. Well, she has yeah. a child. She is a mother. And she does write about that in her memoir. I've read it. It was really good and really interesting. You know, I just think of Molly as one of the best TV moms when in reality, you know, Mackenzie's own teenage years were pretty messed up. Like Molly's. <laughs> yes, like Molly. Well, I've always felt there was a little degree of autobiographicalness in the character, just a little bit. So maybe that was intentional. What's cool about Mackenzie is that she is always retweeting from the So Weird Twitter. Yeah, I've seen that. And one time I made a Mother's Day video for Molly, Jack, and Fee, and she retweeted that. Yeah, there was someone on the forum that said she met her recently, I believe this year or last year. And um, somehow the words The Rock came up in their meeting, and Molly, uh, I mean, Mackenzie was. She, like, <laughs> sang The Rock, like, a line or two, oh, but, wow. like, under her breath. Like, she, she remembered it, and then she, like, sang it. You know when you, like, remember something and... Yeah. Sing the jingle. Oh, that's really cool. That just melted yeah. my heart. I think she she really likes the show. Yeah. Like, I think they would be up, I don't know, for anything, a DVD interview or something like that. Um, and obviously, if we're talking, like, interviews, you know, obviously, uh, Kara is the holy grail. That's the, the one that would be most difficult to get and the most desirable one. Uh, I yep. wouldn't say that. No? I would well, in terms of most desirable. Well, that's I mean, opinion, obviously. <laughs> like, as an ensemble cast, I think every cast member did a phenomenal job, and any one of them would be amazing to have on. So do we have any other comments, Kathy? Yeah. Um, this one is for our Simplicity episode from Joshua Russell. He says, it pains me to say this, but I really don't like this episode, Simplicity. <laughs> cheesy even for 1999 and it's a bit preachy and tad is annoying <laughs> great <laughs> podcast it's awesome i agree all very fair criticisms <laughs> uh, oh by the way kathy i did like the way you put the star dot star in the title for that episode oh yeah i don't i really like that logo it's so simple i need to go to the so weird store and purchase a case but there's none that'll fit my phone because I love the Stardot Star phone case. It's beautiful. You can get a phone case that has Stardot Star on it? You can now. Oh, on my red bubble. I have Stardot Star merch. Can you put the uh, the link to that in the episode description or Yeah, what? I don't don't know why I never did that. I'll definitely put that there. Okay, so do we have anything else we want to say about so weird or strangely uh, or in general? We have two more comments. Oh, okay. Uh, this one was from our previous episode, Angel, from the GSTV reviewer. They said, great episode, as well as the podcast. Surprisingly, I asked my cousins if they remembered this show, and it turns out they did. To this day, I'm quite disappointed Disney Channel has abandoned single-camera shows over the years, at least programs that aren't sitcom-driven with laugh tracks. I think they have a single-camera show out now. Uh... Stuck in the middle, I think, a single camera. But yeah, it is kind of annoying. I don't thing. like how every show is comedy. I miss the drama. Those laugh tracks. 
Well, laugh tracks really bother me in general, but the last time I watched Disney Channel was with my nephew who was probably like seven or eight years, seven or six years old at the time. And I don't even remember the name of the show. It was some superhero show and it was super obnoxious. I did not care for it. Test rats or lab rats or something like that. It was bad is the point. <laughs> uh, but thanks, GSTV reviewer. Uh, that's the gold standard reviewer, right? I don't know. <laughs> I think so, but he posted a, a review of So Weird. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. And it, it is a nice bad. review. Mm -hmm. um, our other comment was on Tumblr from Entire Oranges. They said, um, it was also for the Angel episode. They said, this was my first time listening to this podcast. Had seen it before, but always passed it over. To be honest, really not sure why, since I love So Weird and finding fans of it. But still, I was always like, oh, a podcast for So Weird. That's nice. Next. So likely might be wondering, why did I finally decide to give the show a listen? For a few reasons. Boredom. I was waiting in the car. <laughs> was waiting in the car for the hubby who had a PT appointment. Curiosity. Wanted to check out what the story was. The format, the feel, etc. And like I said, So Weird is a love of mine and always will be. The third reason was because of the Carrie Molly element that was to be discussed. And since I had no idea where in the program that was, I was forced to listen to all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, say forced as a joke because I actually enjoy the show. It was very well put together, informed, researched, and not simply, this episode is good because Clue was silly or something equally as weak. The off-topic moments, I don't mind, made it feel like a conversation with friends and switching topics or getting off-topic happened, so no need to apologize for those moments. It was, If it was 10% so weird and 90% random stuff, that would be different. I, of course, did a little happy dance when Conrad's hideout was mentioned, since that's mine, or partially mine. The history and true story is complex, and this is getting long. I will say I was nervous when the Carrie Molly section started, People either love or hate them, often because of the age difference. But the show was respectful to it, and even when one didn't get it or didn't support it, wasn't rude towards it. So, kiddos, I may very well, very likely, will go back to listen to previous shows, and you guys got a new fan, and keep up the wonderful work. Aw, yay! I feel so honored. That's mm -hmm. crazy. The One of the founders of the Carrie Molly movement uh, got a hold of us. That's interesting. Well, also, one of the other founders, Christine, she came on the forum and she gave us everything that she found from John Cooksey, too. Oh. So it's awesome that we've been able to get in touch with people from Conrad's Hideout. I feel like they were my so weird mentors and they never knew it. Yeah. Well, I love, <laughs> I love Web 1.0 stuff. Yeah. And I do find myself getting nostalgic for that. You know, these days when you Google an old TV show or a movie or what have you, the first thing that comes up is usually the Wikipedia entry or the IMDb entry. And back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was always fan sites, you know, GeoCities and things mm -hmm, of that nature. Mm -hmm. And even though that stuff was obviously incredibly crude, I do find myself nostalgic for that era of the internet. Me too. I find it so upsetting that GeoCities doesn't exist anymore, that so many fan sites that used to be up are inaccessible now. Because once in a while, it's good to take a look at back at the old internet and see how far we've come in terms of graphics and info and whatnot. Well, last time I looked, my old Angel Fire website I made in probably 2001 was still up, but I'm not going to give the address for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, I'll have to check. I haven't checked on it in a while. As far as I know, it still exists. So I'm waiting yeah. out there to embarrass me at some the point. The original in the Molly Carey site, I think, is on Angel Fire, and that still exists too. And that yeah, makes me happy. There's um other so weird websites that people created that are still up and running. They're really cool, and I have those linked on the forum. Well, when you say they're up and running, do you mean they're still being updated or they're still functional? Uh, they're still functional. They're not updated. <laughs> oh, and speaking of so weird websites that are functional versus non-functional, there was another by the people from Comrades Hideout. It was like so weird, OMG, lols. And it was, <laughs> oh my god, it was beautiful. It had like the many faces of Molly Phillips with all these screenshots of really funny faces. <laughs> and something about the orgasmic bass player. <laughs> and there was a so weird dream oh, on there. Dude, bro. It was beautiful. I didn't know I he was wish... popular back then. <laughs> I wish wait, wait, wait. that website the was The bassist's name is Dude Bro? <laughs> that's what that's what we have titled him. I think his name's Chuck in the show. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Kat, last time, I think you uh, got cut off, but what is the origin of the name Conrad? Why is that the name of the panther? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. I wasn't, like, one of the original members. I kind of found it in, like, 2006 and started lurking there, and then I didn't make an actual account until 2008, and by that time, it was, like, dead. So I don't know the exact oranges, but origins. Oranges. I like oranges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired and hungry. But they decided that the panther needed a name, and the name came to be Conrad. Okay, I was just... Because that's a very specific name. I... Well, what else would you name a panther? Uh, panther McPantherface? <laughs> that's a really bad name. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I think we have... Uh, are just about ready to wrap this up. Anything else anybody else wants to say? I want to tell the listeners to look out for Dude Bro's faces that he makes whenever they're Molly's having a concert, because they're great. <laughs> he gets so into it. He does. All right, right now over at my uh, movie review blog, which is Zach, Z-A-C-K, Zach'sFilmThoughts.blogspot.com, so it's a few days old at this point. I've started my six weeks of Halloween marathon that's ongoing right now where I review usually two horror movies a day and then two TV episodes a day. And if anybody on who's listening to this enjoys listening to me ramble about stuff, you can find far more rambling over at my blog. So there you go. I'd love it if anybody gave that a look. Okay, well, thanks everyone who commented. Uh, they're really great to read and make me happy that you guys are enjoying the podcast and we've been getting a lot of views actually i think our episodes are reaching a hundred views like each episode it's about to reach that all right well if that's it i guess we should all sign off i'm zach i'm kathy i'm emily i'm kat all right keep the faith Never we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>